Badger fans, what's going on? Let's do a live call-in show. Normally do this on Fridays, but let's get all of your takes, thoughts, frustrations, angers, optimistic looks at it, whatever it is, wherever direction you guys want to go tonight, let's talk about it. Locked on Badgers, let's go. You are Locked on Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Locked On Badgers, your team every single day. Really do appreciate every single person jumping into this community, into the chat. And again, whatever your opinions or takes are, we're all Badger fans. It's all welcome here. Like, we're all part of the same community. Today's episode brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's just get into it. Like, this is a call in show. So if there's people in the queue, that's what we're going to start with. This show is for you guys in the community. Uh, we got Brian and Curtis. Both in the queue. We're going to start with Brian because you were in there way early, Brian. Um, what's going on, my friend? How are you doing? Well, not too bad considering, uh, I guess it was a rough game yesterday, but, uh, um, you know, just trying to get past it a little bit and hopefully we can hopefully get down to Illinois and take care of business. Where are you at now for the, the rest of the year? Like, are you still excited for the rest of the games? Because I have people telling me, I'm done watching. I know that's kind of a, a fan reaction, but where are you at? I mean, I'm I'm kind of an optimist usually for most things. So, I mean, I, I think we can still bounce back. And at the beginning of the year, you know, when I kind of, you know, looked at what I thought our schedule would be, the two games we lost are two of the, you know, I kind of, I, I, I've got Ohio State written off from the get-go, but I thought Washington State and Iowa would be two of the games we were most likely to lose. So from that sense, I feel like we can still get there. The problem is, I mean, you know, everything, the way we looked yesterday just makes it real hard uh, to kind of keep that optimism, um, you know, especially when it seems like things that you thought we'd be correcting or things we had corrected kind of bounce back, you know, like uh, I thought we'd kind of gotten some of the procedural penalties out of the way. Yeah. I mean, what, we had, what, three of them in the red zone, <laughs> you know, backing us up right that first one, obviously, you know, when we ended up then not getting any points on the first drive was a killer. Um, I haven't gone back and looked at the game, so maybe I'm misremembering exactly when they occurred. But it seems to me I remember at least another one in the red zone, or the you know, uh, and I know we had the back. I know that backup quarterback was in, but you know, you can't take a delay of game penalty. Yeah. Down where we took it, so you know that kind of stuff hurts. So, um, yeah, I'll bounce back. I'm an optimist at heart, and you know, as if we if we uh, take care of business at Illinois, you know, I'll still think we'll be about. I thought we were going to be about nine and three if you know eight and four things weren't going well so i think we're still probably going to end up there well nine and three is definitely doable right it, it is if, if you if we bounce back we beat illinois this the schedule is not strong we've talked about it. now we're not as good as i think a lot of us thought we would be either that's that's also a consideration but the, i was the easily the toughest defense we're gonna play the rest of the year um i did want to throw this out here because i saw one of your comments on the on the chat and I was going to put it up in the show, actually, but you said uh, coaching was an F. And listen, I was pretty harsh on some of the coaching as well. I'll just put it up here. Um, you didn't like some of the rush defense, having the safeties deep. I, I agreed with that take for the most part. We Nobody sitting around us could understand why, especially in the fourth quarter when Iowa, who you knew was going to try to run the ball all the time anyway, was protecting a lead. They weren't going to – we didn't understand why you had – why you weren't sticking like you kept I think you said that in your stuff too why weren't we sticking like every single guy we had on defense in the box especially in the fourth quarter when I was protecting a lead and I just I was not impressed with Longo's game calling 
yesterday. I mean, we just kept Mordecai couldn't seem to hit anything, and we just kept throwing three straight incompletions and punting in the second quarter there. And I just I'm starting to feel a little bit like the coaches are trying to force their system a little bit. Mm. Not, I, I mean, I know that they want to put that in for the future, but for this year, you might have to dial back a little bit and play to some of these other guys' strengths. I'm just starting to feel like they're really trying to force their systems more than I'd like to see. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I, it, it is an interesting balance with their systems and inheriting a bunch of players. Yeah, um, yeah man, I, I hear you. Bron, thank you so much for jumping on the show, man. I want to get to a couple other people jumped in the queue, but I think I think that was a pretty measured response, Brian, and I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thanks. All right, later. Uh, let's get Curtis. You were up next, man. Uh, bring him to the queue here. What's up, my friend? How's it going, Ryan? Good. You. We talked a little before the show in Red Shed. I see you jumped in the queue. Um you, you come up next. You're not as pest. I, I'm just going to speak for you on this one. You're not as pessimistic or down as I feel like the majority of Badger fans are right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, so you're looking at the schedule, right? Obviously it's not what we wanted. And um, if you look at kind of where we're at, we lost to our, the two best teams we've played so far this year, but kind of taking it in stride, you know, I, I, I look at this team and sort of this was the measuring stick for where I think we could have seen ourselves at. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just think that right now, I think we really, really overestimated the quality of the players we have and, you know, how far along we were in this new rebuild and uh, what we were really capable of this year. If you look at the last four years, we've been slowly declining. So, you know, just last year, we were six and six. If we can continue to, to improve and, and see improvement amongst some of our players and maybe even the coaches, you know, uh, we can go into coaching grades later. But um, if we can continue to see improvement, you know, that would be a step forward. And I think it's just kind of a tough pill for Badger fans to swallow because we had been so good for so long that it, there is a really good potential we've fallen off maybe more than we anticipated. And this is going to be a longer process than we thought. Let me ask you this. And Kevin put a comment up here that, I, I kind of want to hit on and kick it back to you, Curtis. Mm -hmm. I sure hope it's a recruiting problem and not a coaching problem. I feel like this is a question that we keep bouncing around on. How much leash should a new coaching staff get in the transfer portal era where you do have a lot more freedom to bring in players to fit your system? Now, you can't overhaul an entire offensive line in an offseason either, right? Like, what's what's the answer there in terms of leash for a new coaching staff? Yeah, I think it's a balance because here's, here's the reality of that. I think that's a, a, a lot of times – it's like, um, I'm trying to think of what the word is, like a false hope, right? Like, let's look at the teams that we would use as an example. Michigan State, TCU, USC. Where are they now? Michigan yeah. State is a dumpster fire. Their coaches, whatever the hell happened there, you know, obviously that's not related necessarily to the transfer portal, but that whole program is in shambles. TCU, they just lost to Iowa State this week. They don't, they're not good, right? And then you look at USC. I mean, look, Caleb Williams is a beast, and Caleb Williams is why that team – Last year was really good, but at the end of the day, they have nothing else. Their defense is terrible. The receivers are – they're good. They're probably better than ours, but, like, they're not going to win the Pac-12. They probably got two or three more losses. And they played Notre Dame, a physical team, step up from us in Iowa, and they got absolutely obliterated. It wasn't even a game. And so, you know, that's where why for me, when, when we look at the transfer point, are like, oh, we can win now. It's like, yeah, but at what cost, right? Let's look at teams like, you know, maybe a, a Florida or a Florida State or – you know, um, even Tennessee to some degree, a slower rebuild, because the reality is that's what's going to stick long term. It's not just a let's turn it over and try to win right now, sacrifice everything, get everybody in the portal, and then we lose everybody next year. You know, so 
Um, for me, I think, yeah, you can do what you can to build the team, but I think Fickle's base instinct coming in when he when he got hired was right. We got to build the team from the ground up if you want to have an actual sustained culture and success. Um, I don't think it's a portal fix. I think you can use the portal to plug holes and maybe you get lucky. But the reality is if you want sustained success, you got to build that internally. And Tyler Strieber kind of portaling on what you're saying. Transfer portal is not free agency. There's a reason guys transfer. It's more tied to their talent ability. Um, it, it kind of goes to your point. And Fickle's talked about this. The portal is going to be a way to fill in some gaps and holes for that staff. It's not how they want to build their roster. And mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what is your goal for the rest of this year? Because I think two weeks ago we talked and we all said, win the West, right? Mm-hmm. Get a puncher's chance. That's out of our hands. Now, it doesn't mean it can't happen. Iowa could lose two more games. But very what is easily. Very easily. I think people are glossing over that. Now, yeah. we could lose two more as well, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, but given that, given that that is out of our hands at least, what is your goal for the rest of the year? Yeah, so for me, I mean, it's simple. Like, I think it's kind of interesting. A lot of you know fans have been talking about, like, well, we had these goals preseason. Now we don't hit them. It's like, now what? It's like, well, you can either completely write off the team. I'm a Bears fan, so – we are nowhere near me writing off the team. Like y'all don't know what pain is yet. Um, you'll, you might see it with Jordan Love, but you're not, you have no idea what kind of pain it is. Um, but what I'll say is uh, for me, it's okay. You know, it's a new team, new system. We're improving, or, or I'm sorry, you know, we're six games in. What kind of improvements can we make, right? Where, you know, do we see now with Locke in the game? Cause I think, I think Mordecai is going to be out for a while. I, I, I don't, know if there's any, anything's come out i haven't really been paying attention but i mean smacking your hand on a opposing team's helmet you're throwing hand I, I don't know like that's not that's not a good situation but i think you see um what can we do with Locke? you know how does he look how does he look around the offense i thought personally watching him yesterday in person uh he looked more uh resolute in his decision making it looked like he was going through his reads um uh, and then obviously you know he looked like a freshman i mean he's playing iowa probably I think the second best defense because Ohio state, I think has the best defense left on our schedule, but um, you know, he, he, he showed some signs of like, Hey, he's reading the offense. He's making good reads. He's making good decision. He took some deep shots, which we haven't done like at all, you know? So, um, so that's encouraging. So all I really want to see is, Hey, are we getting some separation? Are we able to hit the, the open players when they're open down the field? You know, are we, are we seeing improvement on the offensive line is the coaching staff learning? Are we, understanding that, hey, this team has no ability to pass the ball. Let's not run two safeties deep. You know, hey, this team, uh, Iowa, for example, is, is actually significantly worse in the run game than they are versus the pass. The pass is their strength of their defense. Can we run the ball more than 20 times? You know, things like that. If, if we see that moving forward, I think I'll, I'll feel good about where the season's going. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, just because we lose to Iowa doesn't mean that this can't be used as a building block for the future. I think about Last year, and I'll kind of leave it with this, last year, you know, Tennessee came into Tiger Stadium and beat LSU 40 to 20. They absolutely just drug them across the field. LSU turned around and won the conference or won the uh, the West, right? And so, you know, just because you lose a game, college football is wild. You know, I mean, teams lose and they come back and they have great seasons. Teams win early in the year and completely crater. I mean, it's it's just wild. Like it's tough to predict these things. And so for me, if we see, continue to see improvement, we see better coaching decisions. We see, you know, the team and, and the coach have the ability to learn from their mistakes and, and grow from it. I'm going to feel good about it because all that can do is move us forward in the next year. 
Yeah, I, I like the I like the focus on the process, right? Which is I think where you're at. The process, do we continue to get better? Can we finish strong and then build momentum going into the offseason? I like that. Um, Eric, we're gonna take a quick break here. Curtis, thank you. We'll come back to you if you want to stay on, but no worries if not. Curtis is always a good a good ad on the show. Coming up next on the Red Shed, he's gonna join us well. Uh, but first we have to take a very quick break for our unbelievable friends of the show. Um, starting with game time. Game time is how I buy all of my tickets. They are the fastest growing ticketing platform in the country for a reason. Listen, if you know me, you know I have an inability to plan. That's why people get on me about doing live shows and not putting out information because I can't logistically handle planning. I'm like a three-year-old. I'm like the Joker in, in Batman. I don't know what to do with a car when I catch it. That's why Game Time is there to help me buy my tickets to all my entertainment venues, theater, concert, music, sporting events. They give you pictures of the seats before you buy them so you know exactly what you're getting. Game time is absolutely easy to use, safe, and secure. Snag the tickets you want with the Game Time app uh, and download. Create an account. Use code Lockdown College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Create an account. Redeem code Lockdown College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's episode also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is your new friend of the show. I used them today on, on the Niners game. I did. Great with my prize picks, going under on Debo Samuel, 13 rushing yards, and under, by the way, on my boy Brock, uh, my boy getting uh, Brock Purdy getting 200 passing yards. I thought in those conditions it was terrible. That's what prize picks are there for. Just you against the numbers. You don't have to compete against a horde of other fantasy players doing DFS. Prize picks has changed the model. Just you against the numbers, two to six players. You can bet over or under on statistical categories. That's what Prize Picks does, and it's easy, quick, in under 60 seconds. Clickety clack with your mouse, make your clicks. Go ahead, pick your players, and move on. I'm um, really excited to be using Prize Picks this year on uh, Lockdown Badgers. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash/LockdownCollege. Use code LockdownCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com/slash/LockdownCollege. Use code LockdownCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's come back on this. Let's get uh, Red Shed in. Been in the queue for a minute. Uh, what's up, my man? I love the hat. How we doing, man? Good. How are you? Man, after yesterday, doing okay. Doing okay. Might have to cross off one of the names on this hat. But everybody needs a fall guy, right? Listen, for those listening on the podcast right now, he's got the Fickle Longo hat. So we can all take a guess on who he's talking about uh, crossing out there. Yeah, it says Fickle Longo 24, not 23. So I think for everybody that wanted it in 23, you know, all – all summer long, Ryan, and even back to last winter, right? I mean, you have guys, personalities in the Twitter sphere of Wisconsin sports talking about, <clears throat> you know, other schools' leftover wide receivers are going to create Wisconsin's best ever wide receiver room. And it's just like, how were we so foolish? You know, I said at the time, I'm like, if you're getting leftovers from other schools, there's a reason those kids left. If they were elite, why would they leave? Why would a receiver leave Oklahoma State? They're prolific. Why would a why would why would a receiver leave Lincoln Riley? Yeah, no, it because they can't hang, and we thought they're going to come here and be able to change change our system in one year. So that's why I love this hat. It's got a twenty four on it, not a twenty three. Future can still be bright. No, I think. Listen, I think we got hoodwinked a little bit by our own hype. I think it's a hundred percent. Like I thought at the time, Bryson Green would come in and be a dude, um, and I think he might be. He might he might be the one dude. He's made some really good catches. Yeah, maybe. Like Pauling's been good, right? Like at least we can say he's been solid. Um, 
What's where are you at on the rest of the year? Because again, I, I asked Curtis this, I asked uh, Brian this on the first when he was the first one on here. Because I have people already telling me they're they're done. They can't wait for basketball. I'm out on this team. Well, I'm excited for basketball. We might get season tickets for the first time post grad and uh, hype for that. But you know, coming into the year, I was probably one of the more pessimistic Badger fans. I thought eight wins was our ceiling, um, and I thought five wins was the floor. So as I look at the rest of the schedule, this is the worst. I mean, thank God, right? How lucky is Luke Fickle that he just gets to come in and see the worst iteration of every Big Ten West team, right? This isn't Paul Chris going against like a 12-0 and Iowa, right? This isn't Paul Chris going over, going against Pete, Pat Fitzgerald. Like, who are they? Who's left on their schedule that's even decent, right? Outside of obviously the Ohio State game. But um, to that point, I don't think anybody else is in the top 50 FPI in college football. Wisconsin's right at 28th. So if we're using that as like the predictive index that it's supposed to be, yeah, I think eight wins is exactly where they're going to land. Yeah, it feels like you were right on then with with your ceiling floor. You were definitely among the more pessimistic, but really, uh, when we look at it, more realistic Badger fans on this. Um, yeah, it's when you look at the rest of the schedule, it's a good point. I I would say who scares you the most outside of Ohio State? Obviously, Ohio State is Ohio State. Is it is it Nebraska? with a bit of a defense and a running quarterback, is it? I think Nebraska with their new quarterback, I think if Nebraska would have started with this guy at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. my Big Ten West finish would have been pretty close because I had Iowa, then I had Nebraska, then I had Wisconsin. That was my top three. Got a lot of heat for that. But now Nebraska, with the new coach, now this new quarterback, they're on a little bit of a streak, so. Yeah, listen, and uh, Curtis mentioned something too. Eight wins is an improvement over last year. Over right? a Jim Leonard's team, it absolutely is. Yep. Yeah, it's that that is an improvement. Now, again, I'm not trying to move goalposts either. I thought we would do because of this schedule, man. I thought we would do more than eight wins. So I'm not trying to now say no, no, it's fine. Like I was, I overhyped this thing. I I don't think Fickle had or Lou Longo had a great game at all against Iowa. I thought that was a, a really poor game. Couldn't I mean, tell if it was couldn't tell if it was Phil Longo or Matt Lafleur calling plays, right? What was your – so we talked big picture here a little bit. Just off the Iowa game, how, where were you at right after the Iowa game? Um, in a tough space. I mean, seeing – because Iowa's defense is not the same Iowa defense that we've seen, right? We put up the fewest number of points. Our offense looked worse than, what was it, uh, Utah State, Western yeah. Michigan. Yeah. I mean, of all the teams that Iowa's played, was Wisconsin looked the worst at home with an entirely healthy offense except for, you know, the backup running back. So – um, that was confusing. Obviously, Mordecai going down at the half had an impact, but to start the game that egregiously, I mean, as Wisconsin football fans, can we get a first half that looks decent? I don't care if it's from Wisconsin or the Packers, right? But it's it's tough. So I think right after the Iowa game, how are we going to win another game? Our defense is going to have to score points, literally. Like, thank God we have one of the best kickers I've ever seen at Wisconsin because he's an absolute monster. Uh, might get that kid's jersey to hope he gets NIL money from it, but and the hair too. I mean that that dude's a monster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was where were you at on the first uh, the first drive decision? Because I've talked to people on both sides of this. Kick Terrible. Field. And everybody in my section was just this is Iowa. This is a coach yeah. coming in clearly demonstrating. So here's here's my big takeaway. And I have a lot of problems with the discourse of being oh the the cupboards bare. A top 20 recruiting class two years ago, nine of those four-star players are on this roster, and these coaches have absolutely no idea how to use them. 
So from the coaching side, I would also give them an F. Not taking the field goal against Iowa, insane. Um, you haven't been good in short yardage all year, and you're going against Iowa. And then number two is just Braylon Allen doesn't fit his system. I'm sorry. He told us all offseason that he studied Wisconsin film. He knew what they ran before, and they're going to implement as much as possible and as much as they need. So why are we giving these guys a pass as football coaches, not being able to use four-star football players? And why do we think in the future, four-star, we're going to be able to compete, number one, for the four-star athletes for an air raid? And number two, on the defensive side, I mean, the defense hasn't been that bad, but like, man, some of these guys just don't look like they're well-coached. Jake Cheney, over-pursuit, man, it's it's bad. I think I'm somewhere in the middle on it, man. Like, I agree, and Ryan Eilers is in the louder for the cupboard is in bear crowd. He, he's agreeing with you there. I, I I don't think there's as much talent as we thought, though. And some some of those recruits in those that, that – recruiting class from that Chris era, they just didn't pan out and that yeah, happened. Hill, we saw it right yeah. so but but listen I also am not in in the boat where there's nothing these coaches could do the coverage barrel like I was shocked they didn't run the ball a little bit more against Iowa I, I was shocked that it was working it, too well it was it, I just I don't understand that at all all right we have to take a quick break we have a bunch more comments coming up um red shit if you want to stick around and Curtis we'll get you both back on we'll take some comments and chop it up together totally up to you guys we're gonna take a quick break for our friends of the show, um, and yeah, like I, that was a, that was a really good call too. We've had a couple of really good calls today. Today's episode is also brought to you by our, our good friends over at Athletic Brewing. And listen, I've talked about my coping mechanism for a tough game, right? It is to go eat ice cream and have some IPAs. That that's basically my coping me- mechanism for a tough loss. I down ice cream and I get a nice hazy. Athletic Brewing has made that coping mechanism a little healthier, a little bit better for me. They have the game changer. Uh, they have, they are a game changer on the non-alcoholic beer brewing game. Um, they're the fastest growing non-alcoholic brewery in America because they have over 50 different flavors, incredible variety, and it tastes like real beer. Use it anywhere you want, watching the Badger game, but also just mowing the lawn, building a model plane, you know, make a, you know, a P47 with the kid. You can do that with athleticbrewing.com or athleticbrewing.com. They're near beers because you're never going to have a hangover. You're not going to get drunk. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout. Get 15% off athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get Curtis back on here. Uh, Red Shed dropped off. That was a really good call, too. Curtis, let's take some comments, my friend. You ready? Let's go for it. All right. So these are some that I pulled from either the live show we did. And again, this is all about this is all about the community, getting people involved. I want to get your your quote or your thoughts on Braylon Allen. So this is from yeah. Colton. Allen played a great game. He's not dancing. There's just too much there or there's just not much there. So he sifts through. He runs straight up the field when it's open to do so. Really quick. That's from Coldstone. Really quick. I thought Braylon played well. I thought he played hard. He ran pretty hard. 
I still think there's moments where there's nothing there. And instead of being a big power back and putting his shoulder down and getting two yards, he dances a little too much for my liking. But I, I thought he was good overall. Where, where were you at on Braylon Allen this game? Yeah, Braylon, I mean, you know, the problem with Braylon is I think he – and I don't know if this is a mental thing or if this is, a, you know, he's trying to, to do a lot. Because I, I, I do believe he's, he really wants to help the team and wants to do well to win the game. But part of me feels like he thinks he's a 5'10", 180-pound running back that can run a 10-3. And it's like, bro, you're 245 pounds. Like, let's not overthink this. There was a play where I remember he breaks through the line. I think it was the play where he trucked that one linebacker or, or Casho or something. And then he tried to bounce at the outside and got clipped by a corner. And it's like, yeah. dude, you're 245. Just run him over. Like, you, yeah. you'll probably get tackled. You'll probably go down. But you're going to get five more yards because momentum is going to carry you forward, right? You don't have the speed to bounce outside on Iowa's DBs who are easily the best tackling DBs I've seen all season. You know, so it's like, you know, I, but again, like I, I, I think he's trying to make a play. I think he's trying to be the guy. And I think, you know, I think there's times where it's just like, hey, man, just go forward, you know, because that's what your skill set is. And and sometimes it's just recognizing kind of where you're at. And I think, you know, I think maybe – maybe he's trying to do more than, than he needs to, or maybe he's still, you know, I mean, he's only been really a, a full-time running back for a, almost three years now. So, I mean, who knows, but that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah. I think there's two, sometimes you, as a running back, Emmett Smith was great at this and I'm not compared, like I'm not holding anybody to the Emmett Smith standard, but sometimes being second and eight is a really a good thing for the offense instead of second and 10, like those two yards are a big deal. Right. And I think there's moments where, Braylon just needs to get two yards if it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Hannah says eight and four with this schedule would not be a great year, but you better just hope for eight and four now. Um, I want to get this one up here. This is from um, Chris McIntyre. Uh, and this is this is similar to a comment Rich had made. The coaching staff has done a poor job of adapting the talent on the roster to schemes that can work instead of their desired schemes. Curtis, how, how accurate do you think? Because this is a sediment that is talked about a ton. So I definitely want to pick yeah. this on you. Are the is the coaching staff being stubborn with their schemes? You know, I if I'm being totally honest, I it's tough for me to, to tell. And and the reason I say that is because, you know, we're not in the room and we don't know what they're trying to do. I think I think part of it is what's the balance of saying, hey, we're making a full system overhaul and trying to do a new thing versus okay, this is the staff, this is the this is the players we have to run what we've been running, but that wasn't working. So, so do we still just try to keep doing that and see what happens or like i I mean i mean if i'm being totally honest i don't know how to balance what the the balance is there and and my thoughts and you know my kind of assessment watching this coaching staff in the offseason is like you know what we're going to take what we have and we're going to run our systems with what we have and if that means we we run more you know with braylon maybe run more power inside zone things like that then maybe longo would want to do or maybe you know we we run more nickel and dime uh, than maybe, you know, we've done in the past, then that's what we'll do. But, you know, so it's, it's just one of those things where I think it's a, it's a balancing act. And I think that there's going to be some reflections, especially after this game in saying, Hey, look, you know, we should have probably ran the ball more and maybe, maybe Longo. And this is what I, I made this comment on discord. I think this was Longo's welcome to the big 10 game, right? Where I think there's not, there wasn't really ever an air raid team in the big 10. And air raid guys, I don't know if you follow the air raid people, they tend to be pretty arrogant about their offense. They think, hey, this offense works on everybody, no matter what the situation or the circumstance. We can adapt this to fit any person, any scheme, any whatever. 
And I don't know if that's entirely realistic. And so I think this is a moment of, of, of potential growth for Longo. We'll see, you know, there's a interesting discussion on Discord about that today, but um, you know, this could be a moment where he says, all right, I don't think I can just nick, you know, slice and dice everybody up in this conference. They play competent defense. They play disciplined defense. They tackle in space. You know, we don't have guys that are, that are that great that, that can, that can make that offense work. Maybe this is a moment where he comes back and, or maybe even fickle comes back and says, Hey man, look, we got power. We got power backs. We got good run blockers. Let's just run the setup, the pass, you know, let's attack, let's attack the running game with the space that you create in your offense and, and go from there. You know, and I think that's what we had to do this year to begin with. I think we've, I think we just, maybe thought we were farther along. Maybe the coaching staff thought we could get away with more of the past game versus Iowa, you know, because maybe we, maybe there was a level of thinking, Hey, you know, this offense is going to work and uh, we got the guys to do it. And, and that was just incorrect. Yeah, it is definitely incorrect. Uh, JKM said, yeah, they're being stubborn, but they need to be. It's a culture change. It'll work out in the long run. I do. So I want to go there. And I, I like your take on this, Curtis, in terms of it could just be a feeling out process still for longer. The only thing I'd say, the only part of that I'd push back on a little bit is um, I don't think Longo, to your point, you listen to Eric, I don't think he's going to go back and change a lot. Like, I think yeah. they they look at all of that and they say, we just got to scheme it up better, you know? Well, and that's and that goes back to why I think, you know, um, going back to Red Shed, his hat, the, the name on the top of the hat is Fickle, yeah. right? And and the thing that, that gives me, that, that makes me feel like, I'm not overly concerned about it is because, um, you know, Fickle in the past, you know, kind of listening to a lot of the podcasts, studying Fickle, all these things, you know, they've had to, when he was at Ohio State with Urban Meyer, they had to switch their defense because their defense was getting beat. Urban saw that he loved the, the Michigan State defense. So he goes to Fickle and says, we're going to bring in Chris Ash. We're going to make this defense our defense. They did that. They won a title. He goes to Cincinnati. He's like, we're going to bring press quarters to Cincinnati. They get absolutely obliterated. So then he's like, all right, that's not going to work. So now we got to change. We got to come up with a new defense to adapt to the teams we play. So the next year they get better and they get beat by 50 to UCF. And he goes, okay, well, obviously our defense we had didn't work in that space. So now we got to create a new idea, a new defense in order to make that work next time. And so it's, it's shown over time that he's looked at what's happened and made changes. And so that's why I feel like with him at the helm, I feel confident we'll do that. Now, whether or not that's with Longo to Ryan's point, because you know, we had a long conversation about that today. You know, that's really the question. Is Longo willing to change? I don't know. Maybe not. If not, I think Fickle's the one that would be willing to make a change. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think we will eventually get to where we need to get to and the right decision will be made. Whether or not it's Longo that makes that decision or not is really the question. And a lot of that, in my opinion, you know, working more in, in the corporate sector comes down to management, right? I mean, I don't know if Longo's really had a coach in the past that would tell him, hey, man, that's not working. You can't do that. You know, maybe Mac Brown, maybe, but I, I don't know if I could have vibe from Mac Brown just in general. You know, yeah. his coach at at uh, Ole Miss, did he was he coaching for with you or Hugh Freeze or was he in like the interim guy? I don't know if Hugh was at Ole Miss when he was there. Yeah, and so that's where it's like again, like that guy's not going to give Longo pushback. I think Fickle's the guy that will give Longo pushback and, yeah, and say, "Hey, man, this is this isn't going to do that this way." There's a couple of comments here I want to get to, too. Uh, Ryan Eiler says Longo isn't changing anything. Brandon Noble says Longo's going to run what he knows best, simple as that. Um, I, do, I also don't want to – and as fans, we do this. Maybe I do it more. Maybe Curtis is a higher life form than I am. Um, I'm not sure. But, like, fans overreact, and I try not to overreact too much to one game. Longo has a long track record of being a successful offensive coordinator. He, he really does. Um, and Fickle's not an idiot. 
right? If we believe Luke Fickle is a guy, he's not hiring somebody as an offensive coordinator. He doesn't think he can get the job done. I, 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 I think it'll be fine. And my bigger point is I think it'll be fine. And I think it'll be fine with Longo. The quarterback recruiting has gotten much better. We all know at the end of the day, that is the biggest key to an offense in college football. You get the quarterback, it, it, everything else. It's not that it doesn't matter, but you mentioned with Caleb Williams and USC, you get the quarterback, right. And it covers up so much. I think Luke Fickle is a guy who's proven he can get the quarterback, right. Let's not overreact to half of a year in Madison and one incredibly bad, game against Iowa I don't know that that's yeah, and also let's let's put it in perspective too I mean like Iowa's easily the best defense we've played so far potentially even the best I think probably second best defense we'll play all season right this is a new offense we've never run anything like this before uh there's gonna be growing pains and if there's growing pains in any game this is the game that growing pains would be in I mean yeah I mean like it, it and and like I I I always think this like Let's say we were running more of what we used to run. How would that game have gone any different? We watched it last year. I was in the stands at Iowa watching the exact same game. Like, I don't think it's necessarily the system as much as I just don't know if we're ready to execute at that level yet. And I think that's a team thing, right? And so could we say, is it all on the coaches? I think the coaches could have done a better job game planning, 100%. I'm not saying that that's not the case. But to sit here and say, hey, it's all Longo. This isn't going to work. This is, this is terrible offense. Like, that's just, I mean, like, again, we're six games into a system we've never run. We've run the same thing 30 years. We're doing something completely different against arguably the best team or the best defense uh, one and one of the best defensive teams and cultures in the Big Ten. And also, let's not forget that part of the reason we were in the situation we were in in the first place is because we were playing from our six yard line for most of the game, mm-hmm. you know, with a backup quarterback. And we still went down the field somewhat and got points in the second half. But again, it's it's just, you know, I don't look at it as like, oh, Longo's terrible. This is never going to work in our thing. You know, look at all this, whatever. He's the same way. It's never going to change. I just, I just don't see it like that. Yeah. I, I Especially when Mordecai goes up. But let's be honest, we we had not scored with Mordecai either. So, you know, yeah. I don't want to say that that was the the, the crux of the game. But I, here's where. He's definitely got to improve. I mean, there's things that have to change in order for us to be successful. And I'm not trying to absolve him of blame. I'm just saying that you know, six games in, like, against a really good defense when, let's be honest, we've had problems all season anyway. Like, this doesn't, to me, shock me, I guess. Yeah, the, the thing that I struggled with is not so much the inability of Wisconsin's offense to to move the ball successfully and efficiently against Iowa. I got frustrated with the game script a little bit. It felt like Longo didn't have the feel, right? And it, that's almost this intrinsic gray area that is hard to quantify, but all great coaches have the feel. Right. And it yeah. felt like we were able to this was not never going to be a game where through the air we were going to beat Iowa, especially when Mordecai goes out and then Locke throws 30 passes in the second half and Aker gets three touches. Right. Like I'm not I agree with you 100 percent. And Justin made this point, too. I'm not saying we beat Iowa if we run the ball. We probably still don't. Let's, let's be clear, because our offense is not very good right now. It wasn't good that it just feels like that gave us a better chance. And it surprised me that. Yeah. With, with Locke getting his first action against Iowa, he dropped them back 30 times. And again, that was close the whole way. It's not like we had to pass to catch up until the very end. So the game yeah. script of it bothered me a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and kind of to rein back in what I've been saying, I feel like I was kind of just doing, you know, let's, let's not overreact to Longo mode. If I were to give my coaching grades for the game, I'd probably say, you know, D, D plus maybe. And the reason I give it a D plus as opposed to an F, which I think you gave in your show, is simply because 
there was three things, three people on Iowa that we said before the game, hey, if we shut these people down, we have a really good shot of winning. It was Eric All, Cooper DeGene, and uh, Caleb Johnson. Caleb yep. Johnson was abysmal yesterday for whatever reason. I have no idea why. I think he had maybe – I didn't look at the box score, but he did not have a lot of rushing yards. Nope. The other guy killed us, but we shut Caleb Johnson down. Yep. We did. Uh, then you look at Cooper DeGene. He had one broken up pass that could have probably been picked, but, again, the ball was just enough out of reach that he couldn't quite get to it. Other than that, I mean, Bryson Green mossed him on one play, and then every our punt coverage was great. I mean, we got right down to him right away. And then Eric All, I mean, I don't think we tried to do this, but he got knocked out of the game right away and was a non-factor. So, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, those three guys, everybody thought that was going to be the guy. We, you know, we, we shut those guys down. Uh, it's just lost. the rest of the game hurt us. So, <laughs> And still lost. Uh, Brian L is an Iowa fan. He's in the chat. He said, I think you guys are in exponentially better shape moving forward than Iowa is. I mean, I would just say congratulations on the win, Brian. Thanks for jumping in. Um, Yeah, it was funny because we were sitting with, um, there was a number of Iowa fans by us. And like, even in the win, they were not happy, like at all. And it's, they were, they were literally like, we, like one of them, actually, my friend I went with was Iowa fan. He's like, dude, I wanted you guys to beat us because now we're going to be stuck with Brian Ferentz again. They're they're in the spiral, (laughs) right? Like. I talked to the Iowa locked on guy. He said the same thing. I don't know if he's off air, he's off air, but he's like, the more we win these ugly games, the more we're stuck in the future having to play ugly games. It is a horrible existence. <laughs> it really is for them. That's how they, they feel yeah. trapped. Um, anyway, we're, we're going to wrap it up. Brian L says we mourn wins. Seriously. That is from a Hawkeye fan. But <laughs> your defense is incredible, Brian. Thank you for jumping in the chat. Um, yeah, where are you at? Last, let's end on this one, um, Curtis. The rest of the season, what's your biggest goal? We talked a little bit about what you want to see. What's if one thing happens the rest of the year that's going to make you excited going into the offseason? What is it? Um, well, one thing, oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a, a lot of things, but I guess for me, it would be the biggest issue I've had. I've been to four games now, and in most of the games I've been to, I've had a pretty high vantage point of seeing the field, and um. The, the biggest issue that I've been saying is not the snaps. I mean, snaps are obviously an issue, but it's that Mordecai could not see the field well at all. Like we, we'd had guys streaking open, and you can't see it on the TV copy. I think Wisconsin needs to improve its TV copy angle to, like, above the press box because that angle sucks. But um, when you're watching it, you know, there's guys streaking wide open in the middle of the field. He looks at them, and then he tucks it and runs. Or, like, you'll see it in a lot of the clicks. He'll, like – He'll get to the bottom of his drop, like the one-two quick drop, and he'll and he'll shuffle, and then he'll try to throw it. And those are always the passes where it's like you see the the guy the or the the uh, receiver has to adjust and like go up and try to make a, a hero grab with the corner in his face, right? Like Locke yesterday was just quick and decisive. He was making decisions, and I want to see if we continue to do that. Like I'm I'm super curious this week with Locke more than likely going to be the starter are we hitting our plays on time? And if we're doing that, then I'm going to feel really good moving forward because that that's proof of concept to me. I think it's there. I think Mordecai just hasn't for whatever reason been hitting it and everything we'd heard out of practice. I mean, you know, and hearing from all the, you know, analysts and stuff watching practice, not the coaches necessarily Locke was the one timing up a lot of the deep balls. He was the one making the reads quick. Yeah. He's a spot when it comes to the offense. And he played in Texas 6A and broke all the records for everything. So, like, you know, I, I, I think he can do it. I'm just I, – I'm, I'm curious if we see that improve. And if, and if that passing, that downfield, intermediate, and deep passing game improves, then everything else is going to open up. 
And, yeah. and we're not even going to be worried about the fact that Braylon Allen is dancing in the backfield because there's not going to be enough people in the box to cover him in the backfield. So, you know, that's why that's, that's kind of what I would want to see. If we can continue to improve, you know, in our reads and our, in our timing and our quickness, that would be awesome. And then on top of that, we'll have Bryce or uh, Bryson, uh, Braden Locke coming back for next year, most likely probably in the spot for the starter. Look at, uh, look at Penix and, and Bo Nix and all these guys, I'm not saying he's them, but second year in their system, man, they are shredding people. So that's kind of where, where I'm, where I'm looking for. Curtis, you're not allowed to bring this level of positivity one day after <laughs> Iowa. Um, I, w- I want to go here a couple of comments. We'll finish this off. Zach Bart says Locke is a better passer. Hopefully it helps the passing game, but we lose the quarterback mobility aspect we have with Mordecai. I agree with that. Um, everything Curtis just said is also, was also my, he, he took what I was going to say and said it probably even better than I would. Locke is my biggest thing I want to see the rest of the year. I want to see what we have in him. And if he does well or plays to a pretty good level, that's a springboard into next year for Braden, for Braden Locke. That's a big deal. Uh, Curtis talked about his success at the Texas 6A level. That's the highest level of Texas football. And if you look at my board behind me really quick, 11,000 passing yards. He set a 6A record with 128 passing touchdowns. He can fling it. I was pretty impressed with his ability to spin the ball. So we're going to wrap up there. Curtis, thank you so much for jumping on. As always, my friend, great insight. Um, there was a comment up here that actually thanking you for. This is from Muppy B. That's information I needed. You can't see the Rotten uh, TV, so looks like no one must be open. He said thank you for that. Um, on Wisconsin, really do appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll do another Friday. We'll do a Friday call-in show like normal. I missed my Friday call-in show this week, so that's why we did it today. But aside from that, a lot of content coming up this week on Wisconsin, and we'll talk later.